Well, the Ministry of Health has released the latest abortion statistics. Let's take a look at the latest trends just over three years from when our politicians decriminalised abortion and introduced one of the most liberal and extreme laws in the world, effectively legalising abortion to 40 weeks with token safeguards, as we will soon see. And remember, this law was rammed through by our politicians in March 2020, while we as a nation were all preparing to go into lockdown for COVID in order to protect the most vulnerable amongst us. But our then Prime Minister, who had recently had her first child, prioritised this liberalisation of abortion. It really seems a sick joke, doesn't it? The interesting thing is that you probably haven't heard about this latest report. The media suddenly don't want to talk about abortion when they normally want to promote it and push it and punish anyone who doesn't agree with it. Nope, they've been silent, but we'll tell you about it. Let's check it out. So the abortion services Aotearoa New Zealand report was released late last week and last year we noted that in the report they used the word woman six times which you know was progress because only women can get pregnant. This year it's down to one time but person is used 42 times. Woke as. The only time they say the word woman is when they talk about quote wahini Māori and Pacific women accessing abortion services. End quote. Ah, so Pacifica still have women. Māori and European don't. Interesting. Uh, but the report starts pretty badly with the Director General of Health, Dr Diana Safati, celebrating more abortionists and more abortion services. And that people, not women, people, don't have to drive as far now to get an abortion. She then has the gall to say, quote, these changes have contributed to better outcomes for people, end quote. No, not for pregnant women and not mothers-to-be. Nope, it's people. And nope, not better outcomes for all, not for the unborn child, who unlike the Director General who sits comfortably in her office enjoying life, these children will never have that opportunity. She then expresses concern that Māori and Pacific people aren't having enough abortions because, quote, barriers continue to exist, end quote. Yes, aborting unborn Māori babies is a form of equality, apparently. Now, note who's missing in this whole conversation, the child, not a peep. The rights of the child are conveniently ignored. Now, overall, there has been 14,164 abortion procedures last year, 2022. And this number represents a 6.8% increase in abortions when compared to 2021, when it was 13,257. That's an average of 39 children per day killed in the womb in New Zealand. It's a large classroom in a primary school every day. It's a 6.8% increase. Maybe that's why the media haven't been keen to tell you about this. The rate of abortions has actually been in decline from a high of almost 18,500 uh, since 2007. But since the new radical law was passed, that decline and levelling off is now starting to increase. 
If we look at the age groups, there was a big decline in 20 to 24, that's the grey line there, and 15 to 19, the orange line, and also 25 to 29 years old, the yellow line. But now they're going back up again. And a continuing increase of the 30-year-olds, 30 to 39, that's the blue and the green line. When we look at the ethnic breakdown, we see something sad. As you can see in the blue, Māori have a disproportionately high level of abortions. 17.2% of the population, but 26% of all abortions. And that number has increased since last year, but the Director-General still doesn't think it's good enough. You can see the growth of Māori uh, rate down the bottom, the bottom three bars there, from blue to orangey to grey. Pacifica also increasing, and European, but a welcome drop in Asian there. If you look at how many abortions women have had, the blue represents first-time abortions. So as you can see, more than 40% of Māori abortions are their second, third, or even fifth abortion. For other ethnic groups, it's about a third that are on to repeat abortions. So this is not the exceptional circumstance that they have to have an abortion, as we are often told. This is almost a form of birth control. If you look at how many live births, children, the women have previously had before the current abortion, sadly it shows that while blue means it's the first pregnancy, the other colours, orange, grey, yellow, light blue, means that the mum has had previous children. About 55-70% to 70 of pregnant mums have had children. They will have fully experienced the life-changing growth of that child in their womb, a life beyond any doubt. Now, the report has a whole section on responsiveness to Māori. As part of its commitment to the principles of equity and with the intention of achieving equitable abortion health outcomes. A vision for abortion services that focuses on services meeting the needs of rangatahi Māori. Apparently, this is equity. More abortion services for Māori. Easier abortions. What about the needs of the unborn rangatahi, the unborn Māori child? But here's an interesting observation. The higher the deprivation, in other words, the poorer the family, the poorer the parents, the more likely for an abortion, which is one of the sad realities of abortion. Often the decision is made based on economics. We can't afford a child, but that is not a solution. We need to support parents so that abortion is not an option. We need policies that give life, but our politicians have been focused on giving death. Now, the abortion workforce also doubled last year, up to 348 from 162 the previous year. Uh, the abortion workforce is about 103 medical staff, 219 nurses and 26 midwives. And the increase in staffing was mainly from the endorsement of uh, early medical abortion training for midwives, which sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? Using midwife and abortion in the same sentence. And also the inclusion of new access to uh, early medical abortions through the abortion telehealth service dial up an abortion, so you need staff for that as well. But to put this all in perspective, there are 17,000 doctors in New Zealand and about 58,000 nurses, about. So that abortion workforce represents 0.4% of the workforce. Yep, 996 
1.5% want nothing to do with it. But the report is concerned that as the majority, over 95% of the workforce, the abortionists, are non-Māori, but Māori represent almost a quarter of women getting abortions, they need more Māori abortionists. Because apparently, Māori need to be used to help kill the unborn Māori child. Abortion service facilities must be culturally safe for everyone. Oh, everyone except the child and ultimately the pregnant mother. Sickening, isn't it? But isn't it reassuring that 99.8%, uh, sorry, 99.6% of the medical profession is pro-life and actually wants nothing to do with abortion and the killing of the unborn child because it goes against every reason they entered the health field in the first place. Do no harm. In one other disturbing aspect, uh, last year in 2022, 21 of the 31 abortion uh, facilities provided in-house abortion counselling. Now, the counselling is not mandatory. It should be. And the woman accessing pre-abortion counselling did so within the same location as the abortionist. Yep, no conflict of interest there, eh? It's a bit like going to the butcher and asking, should I go vegan? Or going to a Green Party AGM and saying you want to stop smoking dope. It's not counselling, isn't it? The advice won't be the very best independent advice. And the professional counselling associations in New Zealand should be calling out this farce and this conflict of interest. But they won't because medical, the professional counselling associations in New Zealand can't even figure out their gender. Now, remember the furor about the need to decriminalise abortion because women were being turned away from abortions, that there wasn't abortion on demand and we needed to liberalise the law so that all women who wanted an abortion could have one. Well, guess what? Women are still being turned away and nobody seems that worried. Paula Penfold doesn't seem to worry about those women now which shows it was all a big, fat furor. And the report says, uh, in this article, abortion service providers may refuse an abortion procedure. This was reported by 10 locations in 2022. The primary consideration reported for refusal to provide termination services was length of gestation, in other words, late-term abortions. This included instances where the facility only provided first trimester abortions. Refusal and referral also occurred in instances where medical considerations required medical treatment outside the scope of services available at the original location. During 2022, six services reported instances in which they refused to re provide an abortion for a viable ongoing pregnancy and made no referral to another service. Mm. Now, in this article from 2019, the radical American activist from All Rands, Terry Bellamac, said the figures painted only part of the picture, and she said, how many people become discouraged and did not go on to find another certifying consultant? How many were not able to convince the third certifying consultant and had to carry a pregnancy against their will and against their uh, interests? Hmm. Suddenly, no crocodile tears, because uh, abortions are still being refused, mainly because the abortion facilities cannot 
provide them. They don't have the technique and the expertise, and they're struggling to find medical professionals who want to perform second and third trimester abortions. And that's a good thing. They also talk about pregnancies of later gestation, i.e. late-term abortions, but they say they were refused not because they were late-term, but as I said, the services just weren't available. Now, remember, under the previous law, post-20 weeks, late-term abortions were only in exceptional circumstances. They're now legal. And the Ministry of Health are concerned that women can't get late-term abortions if they want them. Another concern mentioned by six abortion places is that sex selection abortions were a reason or possibly a reason for requesting an abortion. Now, there was an amendment to place an explicit ban on sex selection abortions that was voted against a couple of years ago by a majority of MPs. But sex selective abortion is a well-known problem in China and India, where some preference cultures have resulted in extremely skewed sex ratios. The practice of sex selection has been widely condemned, but not by our MPs. And there's a big push with, uh, for medical abortions with phone consultations and telemedicine, you know, abortions done at home, DIY abortions. The blue line is early medical abortions and the orange line is surgical abortions. Now, if you think that early medical abortions sounds better, you need to watch Dr. Norman McLean on our YouTube channel explain exactly what they are and why early medical abortions are still highly problematic. Well, for the unborn child, obviously, but also for the woman. I'll put a link in the explainer so you can watch that. Now, what can possibly go wrong with these medical abortions? Well, uh, lots, actually. Uh, the stats show 220 women suffered complications, including hemorrhaging, retained products, infections, and even failed abortions up from 161 the previous year. So that's an almost 40% increase. And this risk was greater with medical abortions. 60% of complications were with medical abortions. For 57 medical abortions, down the bottom there, you can see I've circled, they couldn't even find the woman to follow up. Is that safe, high-quality health outcome? No, I don't think so either. But the report says, oh, it's just a small proportion, just 60 women. Who cares? Uh, and in this latest report, they don't give a breakdown of uh, how far the pregnancy is when the abortion takes place, the gestation. They only give the average. How convenient. What are they trying to hide? They gave the full breakdown two years ago, but not this year and not last year. It's obvious they're concerned about revealing the stats around late-term abortions, which we highlighted previously. It's always their Achilles heel, and they hate us talking about it because they know that most New Zealanders oppose abortions in the second and third trimester. Our polling has already established that. In my view, they've deliberately withheld this information, and I've done an official information at request for this breakdown. In fact, there's a few areas where this year's report is a lot less detailed than previously. Remember, the, previously the Crimes Act allowed for an abortion after 20 weeks gestation only in exceptional circumstances. Now, Statistics NZ showed 800 late-term abortions over the last 10 years where there was no danger to the physical health or life of the mother. 
which is the reason they often say. But 91% of all late-term abortions didn't have this reason. The new law means that late-term abortions will be available to women if the abortion provider reasonably believes the abortion is clinically appropriate in all the circumstances, having regard to the woman's physical and mental health and well-being. Now, this is a broad test because the terms physical health, mental health and well-being are not defined by the bill, deliberately. And given that the intention is to make abortion more accessible, it's difficult to see many instances in which an abortion would be refused, unless, of course, the abortionist can't do it. A baby could be aborted after 20 weeks as long as the abortionist who intends to perform the abortion considers that the abortion was appropriate in the circumstances with a nod from a colleague, another abortion provider. Oh, after the in-house counselling. Yep, don't let them deceive you. Late-term abortions under the old law were only for exceptional circumstances. Late-term abortions are now legal, with the approval of two abortion doctors who have no conscience when it comes to ending the life of an unborn child and who will be doing very well financially out of the decision they make. If you believe that's a system that safeguards the woman and the unborn children, I have a bridge to sell you. Look, as we said at the time of the debate, to remove legislation about abortion from the criminal code and put it in the health code is basically to say that killing an unborn child is the same as removing an appendix, kidney stones, gallbladder or tonsils. It's just tissue removed as part of a health procedure. That's the narrative they want. But our abortion law denies the humanity of the baby and again, it creates inconsistency with other legislation and public health messaging for pregnant women. You know, don't smoke, don't take drugs, be careful of what you eat. Because it recognises the rights of the unborn child. Anybody who has viewed the ultrasound of an unborn child will know that our law is a gross abuse of human rights. The humanity of a child is not based on whether it's wanted or not wanted. It should never be based on that. The old tissues, blob of tissue. It worked in the 70s, but it's flat earth science now. We've seen the ultrasounds, we've seen the fetal development. To support abortion, you have to park your conscience and park science in a deep, dark vault. Abortion denies the humanity of the unborn child. But hey, when politicians and even the Ministry of Health can't determine when a life begins or exists, or that only women can give birth, why would you trust them with many other decisions they may make? We will continue to fight for the rights of the unborn child and the welfare of the pregnant mum. We need to fight for what's right. Mm -hmm.